Welcome to Vineyard 61's weekly podcast. We hope you'll be inspired, challenged, and encouraged by this week's speaker. For previous messages, go to our website, vineyard61.org, or subscribe via iTunes or SoundCloud. Hey, good morning guys. Great to be with you here this morning in person and great to see you guys in Battersea and in Westside as well. My name is Andy Frost. I've been at this campus, I guess, about four or five years. Trying to work it out now. All blurs, isn't it, really? All blurs. Let me start with a word of prayer. Father God, we just thank you that right now you are at work in our lives. We pray, God, right now as we begin to unpack your word that is so many years old, that you would speak directly into our context here today. May you make us more aware of who you are and of what you are doing. In the name of Jesus. Amen. There's this story, it's probably a bit of an urban myth, of a tourist who is traveling to a distant land. And he's trying to soak up all the different things that this land has to offer. And he discovers that in this land is a famous rabbi. I think, whilst I'm here, I will go and see this rabbi to try and glean some wisdom and discover more about this rabbi and what he thinks about things. So he finds this rabbi, he finds him in the house, and he knocks on the door, the door gets opened, the rabbi welcomes him inside. And straight away, the tourist is a bit confused. This room is completely bare, apart from a little bench, a table, and a few books. And he looks at the rabbi and says, Rabbi, where's all your stuff? Where's your furniture? The rabbi says, well, where is yours? And the visitor says, mine? But I'm just a visitor here. At which point the rabbi says, and so am I. There's something quite profound about that little tale. The idea that life is not about hoarding stuff and collecting things. That ultimately our home is not here, our home is with our Father in heaven. But there's something this story misses. So we can have this mentality in life that we are just passing through. We're just here for a moment. But in scripture we discover time and time again that we as Christians are called to a place for a purpose. Where you are is not a mistake. God has called you to your community, to your street, to your workplace. You've just heard us now. God has called you to where you are and he's called you for a purpose. It isn't just about one day leaving earth. It's about right here, right now. God has a plan and a purpose for the things that you are called to do in this place. In the book of 1 Peter, we have some really helpful ideas of being priests, of being a holy nation, of being aliens in a different world, of being God's possessions, all of these things about our identity. But I want to unpack two more ideas this morning. The first is that sometimes we can think of ourselves as tourists. Is anybody else here as they're kind of walking around London trying to spot tourists? Is that just me? A few of you do it, okay, it's me, yeah, you spot the kind of, I love London t-shirt, ah, tourist. Or you spot them kind of lost with their map trying to work out how does this underground work, or when they're on the wrong side of the escalator and you think, oh, tourist. Tourists are all about what can I see? What can I experience? What can I taste? What can I enjoy? 
What can I Instagram, most importantly? A, a tourist is defined as a person visiting a place for pleasure. And sometimes I think we can live our lives as if we are tourists just living our life for pleasure. But biblically, I think, there's also this idea of an ambassador, that we are called to be an ambassador. Now, some of you guys here might not know this advert. There's a very famous advert from my childhood, which I used to love, okay? We're going to play the advert right now. The ambassador's receptions are noted in society for their host's exquisite taste that captivates his guests. Ferrero Rocher, a taste sensation, rich, luxurious, unique. Excellent. Monsieur, with Ferrero Rocher, you're really spoiling us. Ferrero Rocher, a sign of good taste. Such a cheesy advert, isn't it? Who, who remembers that? Does a few hands go up? Yeah? Okay, good stuff. I did think about this morning buying Ferrero Rocher to give you all one as a, as a kind of thing to take away. And I realized how much they cost. I thought, no, I'm not doing that. That's too expensive. The idea of ambassador, perhaps in our culture today, we often think about a brand ambassador. But here I'm talking about the idea of somebody leaving a different place to be an ambassador. The, the definition of the dictionary is an accredited diplomat sent by a state as its permanent representative in a foreign country. The idea that an ambassador is sent and they are a permanent representative in a foreign country. And in scripture, we have this idea of being ambassadors. Paul writes in Ephesians 6, verse 20, I am an ambassador in chains. It's a really kind of weird concept. You don't really think about the ambassador on that video kind of in chains. But Paul, because he's preaching the gospel, he understands that he's been sent to this place. He's in chains, and yet he's still being a person who is sent to be an ambassador for a different king and a different kingdom. My challenge for us this morning is this. Is as we live our lives, as we reflect upon the week that has been, are we living more like tourists or more like ambassadors? We're going to open 1 Peter, chapter 3, verse 8 onwards. Finally, all of you, be like-minded. Be sympathetic. Love one another. Be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing because to this you were called, so that you may inherit a blessing. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Who is going to harm you? if you are eager to do good. But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Tourists live for their own agenda. They have their own way of doing things. My wife and I first got married, and one of our big kind of bones of contention was holidays. I love surfing. 
and uh, in my 20s, I would surf anywhere in the world and I would do whatever it took to surf the best waves. I would quite happily sleep in a sleeping bag on the beach if there were good waves there. I quite happily surf if there were icebergs going past if there were still good waves. My wife, when we got married, wasn't as keen on surfing. In fact, she didn't even like surfing. She even less liked watching me surf. And she wanted these kind of nice holidays where you have things like beds. And I was like, no, 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 no. We can just go on this surf place. We can sleep on the beach. It'll be fantastic. No, she said. I want somewhere nice and warm where I can have a nice hotel to relax in. We had different understandings of what a holiday was all about. Tourists have their own agenda. And I guess when a tourist goes to a place, they're looking at what they want to see, what do they want to do, what do they want to experience. And yet ambassadors have a different mindset. Ambassadors have a different agenda. Verses uh, 8 to 9 uh, give us these amazing characteristics, all the way down to verse 11 on the screen now. A unity of purpose. It doesn't mean uniformity, but a unity They actually laid down their own things to have a unified purpose. A sympathetic nature. That word sympathy comes from the Greek word sim, which means together, and pathos, which means feeling or emotion. The idea of coming together of emotion with somebody else, it's not about selfishness, but about sympathy. Sympathy and selfishness cannot coexist. It's about a deep love. Love one another. A compassionate heart. A humble spirit. A forgiving heart in verse 9. Repay evil with blessing. I mean, what is that kind of teaching? It's an incredible kind of thought to repay evil with blessing. Jesus calls us to go beyond the mere refusal to retaliate. And he calls us to love those who wrong us. Blessing them in word and deed. I guess the challenge for us here today is, is our go-to response when we've been wronged, is it to bless rather than to insult? Verse 11, a controlled tongue. Verse 11, also a pure life to turn from evil and do good and being a peacemaker. This is the agenda of an ambassador. And these things are really hard things to do. But particularly when you think about the people that Peter is writing to are living in a society which doesn't understand them and keeps almost pushing them to one side and pushing them to the margins, that is quite antagonistic, and yet they're called to live out these things. Verses 10 to 12, Peter is almost riffing on Psalm 34, the Psalm of David. You might think of King David in the Old Testament, but in the earlier years before he became king, he was living under much challenge himself as Saul looked to oppress him. As he writes these words and explains some of these thoughts, in verse 12 it says, The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayer, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. I just want to remind you that if you are living out these things, it's not always easy. Often it really is challenging. It's costly to live out these things. I want to remind you again this morning that actually God is watching. God sees those moments when you return insult with blessing. God sees those moments where you have a compassionate heart when you live with sympathy. God sees those things and he recognizes them. As we read this, this, this letter from so many years ago, we can often forget that Peter was this real man who really existed. That actually, these values he talked about, actually he lived out in his life. And he'd seen some pretty incredible things. He'd seen miracles time and time again with Jesus. He's seen his mother-in-law 
be made well again. He had walked on water. That takes surfing to a whole new level. He'd seen Jesus get transfigured. He'd seen demons cast out. He'd seen the dead brought back to life. In Acts 3, we have this amazing story. This guy is looking for healing, and Peter says, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, I give to thee. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up and walk. What an amazing story. Yet he also saw persecution and hardship and moments where God did not miraculously break through. Stephen being martyred. And even this letter, as he's writing it, he knows that people are suffering and having a tough time, and God does not always do things as we want him to do. When we see these dual tracks of life, there's the, the, the track of blessing and amazing what God does, but also there is suffering and there is hardship that goes side by side. In verse 13 and 14, it continues. Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. Verse 14 really spoke to me this week. But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. This point here. Suffering is not the opposite of blessing. Suffering is not the opposite of blessing. That sometimes even in our suffering, we can know the blessing of God. And in verse 13, you would think that almost if you're doing good things, you shouldn't really get persecuted. And kind of Peter kind of makes this point, because even if you still get persecuted, God is still at work in and through you. I'm reading this book right now called The Air We Breathe, which is a fantastic book looking at some key values for our culture today, about freedom, kindness, progress, and equality. And how actually they all come from Scripture. It's the Christian worldview that's actually impacted the entirety of the Western worldview that we live in today. It's the kind of bedrock to what we do. And what's interesting is that this church, going through a real difficult time, they took these values of Jesus seriously. They represented his kingdom seriously. And because of that, they began to shape the entire future of modern civilization. Tom Holland, the church historian, who isn't a Christian, writes this. Across the Roman world, wailing at the sides of roads or on rubbish tips, babies abandoned by their parents were a common sight. Others might be dropped down drains. Few had ever queried this practice. Pretty much everyone had always taken it for granted. Until that was the emergence of a Christian people. Christians saw this and they took the things from Scripture. This is not the way things should be. We represent a different kingdom. We're going to challenge the status quo and do things differently. In verses 13 to 17, good righteousness, good conscience, good behavior, doing good, that we call to live out what it is to be ambassadors of Jesus. But as you think about these things, the challenge can be, well, how do we begin to do this? This is almost like an impossible task. Where does it all start? I think it starts in verse 15. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. It begins first and foremost with recognizing who Christ is, what he has done. And the idea of revere can be to honor Christ or to worship Christ or to set apart Christ as Lord, as our master, as our king, as our boss ambassadors have someone who has sent us we have been sent by christ 
And we need to acknowledge the explicit authority we have in Jesus. And a world that was hostile to Jesus will often be hostile to us as well. Tourists have their own agenda. But as ambassadors, we have a kingdom agenda. As you think about the week ahead, where is it that perhaps God is calling you to make a stand for his kingdom? Those different values of unity of purpose, sympathetic nature, a deep love, a compassionate heart, a humble spirit, a forgiving heart, a controlled tongue, a pure life, a peacemaker. Tourists have their own agenda. Ambassadors have a kingdom agenda. Let's keep reading. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience, so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. For it is better, if it's God's will, to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. After being made alive, he went and made proclamation to the imprisoned spirits, to those who were disobedient long ago, while God waited patiently in the days of Noah, while the ark was being built. In it, only a few people, eight in all, were saved through water. And this water symbolizes baptism now that saves you also. Not the removal of dirt from the body, but a pledge of a clear conscience toward God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at God's right hand with angels, authorities, and powers in submission to him. Wow. Tourists take liberties. Now, I grew up in South London, so we were going, oh, man. He's taking liberties. You have that phrase? Do some of you guys use that still or not? Is that kind of... No. Okay, I grew up in the... Uh, many years ago. Uh, different century. Anyway, there you go. The idea of taking liberties. And I think um, what's interesting in this passage is that, is that tourists kind of take liberties, but I believe that we as Christians, as kingdom people, are actually to declare liberty rather than taking liberties. I've got a mate called Des, um, who was one of those guys at school who was super clever but lacked all common sense. Do you guys know people like that? You can point to them if you want to. <laughs> um, I remember one day at university, uh, he went home from university and was making some chips in the chip pan, and then he got a call saying, should we go and buy some chips from the, in the chip shop? So he went out and left the chip pan bubbling away, and uh, obviously he came home to discover our house was on fire. And did that thing of kind of opening the front door, walking inside, opening the kitchen door and going, wow, the kitchen's on fire. Didn't know what to do, so he closed the door, walked outside and thought, wow, what to do? Put the fire out, back through the front door, down the corridor, through the kitchen, got the fire blanket, was like, I'm not sure how this works. So he went outside <laughs> and read the instructions. <laughs> Open blanket, throw over fire, got it. Went back inside, this time, unrolled this blanket and the fire was now all around the kitchen, not just the kind of oven area. I thought, this blanket is not big enough. And so our house burned down. You can't think, Des, if only you'd have read that beforehand, if only you had been prepared for that moment. Verse 15 uh, begins with this. Always be prepared, not just for fires, but to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. The way we live our lives as kingdom ambassadors 
will create questions. Why do you do that? Why do you give money to the church? Why do you not gossip? Like, why, why do you not have the extra pint? Why is it you won't come with us to this place? Why do you do these things? And when those whys come up, how are we going to speak about the hope that we have? Interesting about last week, preparing, when we are talking about evangelism, how do we begin to know what we might say when the opportunity arises? I challenge you to work out what you might say in those moments. And do it with gentleness and respect. Hope is not a futile wishing for a good future. Hope is a confident expectation that God is at work based upon his character. And in these next few verses, he begins, Peter begins to unpack that hope we have is based upon who Christ is and what Christ has done. And in amongst all is verse 19, which is super weird verse, okay? Any people who, who love doing theology here? A few? Three or four of you, great. Well, Mike does, which is really great, because Mike's kind of given his viewpoint in the moment's time. But um, it says this, After being made alive, he went and made proclamation to the imprisoned spirits. Simple. The question is then, is who is the he... What did he preach? Where did he preach? And who was he preaching to? And lots of different people, uh, different ideas on, on, on how this fits together. Mike's got all the answers, so do ask him. He's, he's got it nailed. But it's the idea, I think Mike says that, is actually speaking to the demonic and the evil forces, saying, actually, I, Jesus, have the victory. See, it's a bit confusing, this passage, but there are two things we can draw from it. The first is this, is we can know what Jesus has done. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. That ultimately we know that Christ has come to earth, the incarnation. He went to the cross, and then he defeated death and became victorious. This gospel message means that we can know God. We can know his love and his grace and his truth and his spirit at work in our lives. And second of all, we know this. We know where Jesus is now, verse 22. He sat at the right-hand side of the Father with angels, authorities, and powers in submission to him. We know how the story ends. And we have that sense of hope and expectation because ultimately Jesus defeated death. We know what he's done. And we know where he is now. And then he begins to unpack uh, Peter, this kind of imagery around Noah. You might think it's a bit of a weird imagery to use here, but what he's trying to get across is this, is that in the time of Noah, things have got so wicked and so awful and so terrible, and it can feel like these people in 1 Peter, they're going through a really difficult, challenging time where the church is under attack in different ways, and yet, despite it all, God is still in control. Deliverance will come through. The idea of the water being a symbol of God's judgment. There is a way through because of the cross. As ambassadors, we have a gospel to share, one of liberty. In a culture that speaks of the freedom to do things, the gospel also says that we are not constrained by the desires we have within us. I love this little prayer that James Bryant Smith writes often I've reflected upon at different points in my life, just to kind of center myself, it's this. I am one in whom Christ dwells and delights. I live in the unshakable kingdom of God. The kingdom is not in trouble, and neither am I.
a little simple prayer that as we go through some rocky and difficult times, as perhaps people take liberties, as perhaps we can feel oppressed at different times, we can remember the truth that what Jesus has done and where he is now. Tourists take liberties. Ambassadors promote liberty. Liberty from sin. Liberty from patterns of behavior. Liberty from the past. Liberty from the fear of death. We are ambassadors of liberty. Chapter 4. Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude, because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. As a result, they do not live the rest of their earthly lives for human desires, but rather for the will of God. For you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. They are surprised that you do not join them in their reckless world living, and they heap abuse on you. But they will have to give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is the reason the gospel was preached even to those who are now dead, so they might be judged according to human standards in regard to the body, but live according to God in regard to the spirit. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind, so you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gifts you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised for who Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Me and my brother are super competitive. Anyone say you've got siblings who are competitive? Yeah, we did a, a half Ironman a few years ago, and, um, and it was, uh, on the swim, I was absolutely demolishing him. It was like that look of glee on my face, like, yes, I have nailed my brother, ha-ha. <laughs> on the bike, I got a puncher, and my brother kind of zipped past me, and it was so bad, and then I got a second puncher. I ended up being so far behind that they closed down all the aid stations, yeah? So it's super hot day like today, I was cycling along and every single water place had run out of water. It was absolutely horrendous. They had the half mouth and again, everything had closed. I'm the last by a long way, having had two punches by the way, just to make that clear, I had two punches. And I was absolutely drenched in sweat, trying to get along. I finally finished the, the, across the finishing line and they gave me a pint of beer. And it looked like perfect, the kind of glistening kind of thing on the side like you have in adverts. I had a sip of it and I was sick. Because my desire looked so nice, but more than anything else, I needed to have water. I was desperate for water, so dehydrated, this desire that I had. What is our desire? In this story, uh, the, 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 the tourists, if you're a tourist in a different place, you're always looking at what are your desires? What do you want to see? What is a pleasure that you want and they kind of list them here, debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. They are surprised that you don't join them in their reckless, wild living. So as Christians, we'd say, I'm sorry, not today. I don't want to join you in your reckless and wild living. Thank you very much. We're called to live out a different life. But ultimately, we begin to discover what God has put in our hearts, the desire that God has for us. Verse 2. As a result, they do not live the rest of their earthly lives for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. My last kind of point is this. 
often we are asking the question, God, what is the will of li- will for my life? What do you want from my life? And I think over the years, I've been so caught up with that question, is what should I be doing for God? Where has God called me to be? What has God called me to do? That I've missed a much more fundamental question, is who am I called to be? That the will of God for my life is to be more like Jesus. We can have those narratives spoken over our lives, go and change the world, which is fantastic, but it begins first and foremost with discovering who we are called to be. Chapter 4, verse 11. If anyone speaks, they should do so as the one who speaks the very words of God. Wow. To speak the words of God, that sounds pretty challenging. It continues. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so in all things God may be pleased through Jesus Christ. How can we serve in this way? How can we speak in this way? Well, it has to be about prayer. That fundamentally being an ambassador for Christ is about being somebody who connects with God in prayer. We need his Holy Spirit to empower us to live out this role as ambassadors. I'll skip towards the end now, this. The end, I mentioned here, the end of all things. That as you begin to work out what life's all about, I've got a friend recently who is terminal four cancer, uh, stage four cancer, and just kind of talking all through them. It suddenly puts life in perspective, doesn't it, those kind of moments, where you suddenly discover actually life won't just go on forever. And it makes you think, actually, what is my life all about? And perhaps this kind of challenge for us here is, are we really being ambassadors for God? Because tourists serve themselves, ambassadors serve the king. So this morning, it's reflecting on this passage in 1 Peter. Are you more of a tourist or more of an ambassador? As you think about the week that has been, have you been just a tourist going through seeking pleasure? Or have you been an ambassador for a king and his kingdom? ambassadors have a kingdom agenda we live our lives differently ambassadors promote liberty and ambassadors serve not their own desires they serve the king of kings at Battersea and at Westside online and right now here as well I just want to challenge you that perhaps now is a moment to say again I don't want to be a tourist I want to be an ambassador. So right now I'm going to kneel here. And if you want to kneel, you can do. Just as a symbol right now, on line two, and at Battersea at Westside, just to kneel down right now. As a symbolic way of saying, we kneel before the King of Kings. And Father God, we do this Because first and foremost, you love us. Because first and foremost, you sent your son, Jesus. Because first and foremost, he went to the cross to bring us into relationship with you. And we respond by saying we don't want to just live like tourists. We don't want to just seek pleasure day in, day out. We want to be ambassadors for you. And so we humbly on our knees now say, God, we bow ourselves before you, the king of kings, and say, be king of our lives. May Christ dwell in our hearts. May we live our lives differently, showing what it is to be ambassadors for you, showing a different kingdom. We thank you that you send us into a place with a purpose to live out our lives for you. And we welcome you right now to have your way in our lives. 
even if at times there is suffering, may we know the blessing it is to be in relationship with you. And right now we come before you and we say, King of Kings, speak into our lives, empower us by your Holy Spirit, that we could truly be ambassadors for you here in the 21st century in London. Have your way in our lives. May we decrease and may you increase. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Just going to invite the band up again now. I just challenge you this week. May you continue to look to how you can be an ambassador for Jesus in your workplace, in your community, in your home. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Tune in next week for another life-giving message from one of our Vineyard 61 speakers.